With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again for this mailbag episode is Shay Dixon. Shay, we got the mailbag going again. Uh, it's been been probably a month, I think, since the uh, – It's well, we did it at the Georgia game before the Georgia game was the last time, so it's been been a while. We're back. Um, yes, everyone, each week, if you're a member of the Bengal Tiger, you can get your uh, questions in on the board. Matty B on Sundays uh, will start a thread. You see it pinned at the top. Get your questions in. We'll answer them. But let's we'll get to that. Let's start here because I wanted to talk for a couple minutes about this. Yes. LSU welcomed 23 new players to the roster this past weekend. That's all 10 transfers that they've announced and landed commitments from. And then 13 of the 25 high school signees or early enrollees. Some people are asking me if that's a record for LSU 13, it's among the most I can remember. I'd have to go back and look, but we're trending more towards that as kids have the early signing period in December, they know that they want to enroll early. So they make a point as sophomores, juniors, whatever it might be uh, to get their coursework together in a spot where they can leave high school at the end of the semester in the fall as seniors and enroll at LSU while still being technically a senior in high school as uh, starting their college careers, kind of getting rolling and acclimated uh, to being part of the team, being part of the program. And Maddie B, you look at these 23, and I'm counting, certainly in the transfers, a handful of them, but also in the 25 high school signees of these 13 enrollees, a number of guys that could be instant impact. Do you have one guy or two guys that jump off of the list of hey, it was paramount they got that guy in early. And maybe let's focus on high school because a lot of these college guys have already been playing. They're coming straight off a college season. Adjusting isn't as big for them. But high school to college, especially the SEC, big adjustment. And why this is big is kids who arrive now in January will be working out with the team. They'll go through all of spring practice. They'll um, sit in on every team meeting and take part in it. And they'll get to go to school and get acclimated to just carrying a college course load. So you get a real advantage by coming in early as an early enrollee and having a whole semester head start on the rest of the guys who get here in the summer. Give me number one on your list. Is it is it obvious? Because the, the best player, the highest ranked player in the class, at least one of them, is an early enrollee. So is Deshaun Womack the answer here? Because he is a guy that many people think Matty B will be the heir apparent and a soon-to-be starter uh, at the Jack position with B.J. Ojolari headed the NFL draft. I think Deshaun Womack is the most obvious and the correct answer um, for everything you everything you just said. I mean, there is a starting spot that is open, that is vacant on this team, and Deshaun Womack, with that extra time, should be able to come in and compete for that job early. You know what you're going to get from him uh, when you see him in the spring. Uh, you'll be able to see also, you know, guys like Brandon Swenson 
uh, in the room and uh, Ovio, Ovio Gofu um, now as well. So you get to see all of your options in, at the jack position early, and I think that's a real advantage. Obviously, uh, Brian Kelly's talked a lot about how important it is to get these freshmen in early um, as early enrollees, and I think you know the the exception is obviously Harold Perkins. Like if you have Harold Perkins' talent, then you're good. You could just show up and play. But we even saw with Harold Perkins that they were like, hey, you know, he needs some time. You know, the first few games he didn't play a ton because they were hesitant of getting him acclimated, of getting him you know better um, understanding of the playbook and stuff like that and the scheme. So what would have happened if he would have enrolled and obviously committed earlier and enrolled early? Like, could he have been a day one starter? Like, that's the type of that's the type of difference that we're talking. It might not change the outcome of a season, but in game one and game two, like that's where we could see this. So Sean Womack at the jack position is number one for me. I'll throw out there. I think Javian Toviano is in a really interesting spot, too, because we talked about him. Uh, coming to LSU and playing corner, boundary corner pretty much, uh, or at least them trying him out there. He was recruited as a safety um, out of Arlington Martin. Very, very talented player. I I mean, I, I love his tape. Obviously, he's a high four-star guy. Um, but now with him early enrolling, uh, early enrolling and him playing in the spring, you get to – I feel like you get to try him out at different spots. Like you don't have – you're not restricted to be like – okay, he's here in the summer, let's just throw him at corner and he's probably going to retro and let's just, you know, see how he develops. I feel like during the spring, you can put him at corner, you can put him at nickel, you can put him at safety, you could try him all over and then see where he's comfortable and go into summer with a better idea of where he needs to do, uh, what he needs to do moving forward. I like that one a lot. And look, the I just sent you over, there's a list of early enrollees just so we didn't miss anybody. And certainly you look at, Jeremiah Hughes and Toviano. Hughes is a pure corner, uh, but Toviano, a guy, as you mentioned, high school safety. They're the two corners that we're coming in now. And we're talking about Toviano as a corner, Matty B, because when they were recruiting him and then when they closed him in early December, it was like, we have to have you. Well, mm -hmm. at corner, uh, since then, since he's signed, they've added four transfer corners all who have played college, you know, played football at the college level. None were like backups, like anywhere that, you know, had never started. Now it becomes less of a need. I like what you're saying about, okay, maybe now we can try them, you know, at nickel, at safety, at corner, get a feel for them everywhere. Uh, because I almost get the sense that because of, look, they took 10 transfers, five are defensive linemen, four are corners, and one's a receiver. You almost now have more of, at least a proven depth concern, or at least something to note at safety. They have now less guys at safety coming back uh, than they do at corner in terms of guys who have played college football. So I know Greg Brooks is back. Major Burns is back. Um, we'll see if say Ryan, what he does. I know we've got a question coming up in the mailbag about him, but uh, we'll be curious if Toviano doesn't bounce around. I'll give you <clears throat> one more. Uh, I think Whit Weeks is, it was almost a must that you only signed two high school linebackers that you at least got one of them to campus and weeks is the more highly ranked one because they now enter the off season weeks moved to campus this past weekend. His brother is the only backup linebacker they have on scholarship right now, West weeks. Then they have the two starters back in Harold Perkins and Greg Penn. And that's assuming really that you're making Harold Perkins a middle linebacker in this discussion of, 
of linebackers, keeping two on the field. He had kind of moved around a lot and played some edge rusher in year one, but linebacker wise who they have in that room, only three scholarship linebackers. Now they have four uh, with Whit Weeks coming to campus. Christian Braithwaite gets here in the summer, but there's a lot of buzz around Whit Weeks right now. And you feel like him getting here early and getting with Matt House, the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, and just getting up to speed will be big because unless they're going on some run in the portal like they did at corner with the linebacker position, which we know that they're going after guys and they'll add one and maybe two, but by default right now, Whit Weeks is in the two deep. And yeah. if that's the case, you'd like him to be as far along as you know you possibly can have. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I, the, the linebacker position is so fascinating. I know we have a question on it in the mailbag as well, but um, Weeks, Whit Weeks, I mean, has been all the talk pretty much over the past few weeks with his performance at the All-American Week and uh, everything Billy's seen, everything you've seen, everything we've talked about. So <clears throat> Whit will definitely be competing for, you know, either a starting job or that that next up uh, role there, depending on what they do in the portal. Um just players I'm excited to see. Uh, obviously, Jalen Brown, receiver uh, out of Miami. He had a really good week at the All-American uh, stuff in San Antonio. Uh, Billy saw him a lot. He's really, really smooth, really fast. I mean, especially with Kayshawn Boutegon now, uh, it feels like there is a path to these freshmen coming in and playing at receiver a little bit more. And I'm speaking specifically of – Jalen Brown and Shelton Sampson eventually when he gets on campus, but Jalen Brown's obviously the early enrollee here. You you now with Kayshawn gone, you have your top two of Malik and Brian Thomas. You have Aaron Anderson, you know, in in the slot, let's say. But outside of that, you're really putting him against what Kyron Lacey, um, <clears throat> Landon Ibieta, um. Oh, Chris Hilton, I was off the top of my head. Chris Hilton, like you're putting him in that conversation. I feel like that's a very manageable expectations for a guy like Jalen Brown, who we're pretty high on coming out of high school. So, um, yeah, he's one I'm excited to see. And then, honestly, just from a curiosity standpoint, I want to see Trey Holly um, because he was obviously so productive in high school. You want to see how that translates and how that looks like uh, at a level like LSU. I, uh, I'm excited to see it, like a number of these guys. And let me refresh people. They took 10 transfers and 25 high school signees. A year ago, they took almost 20 transfers and 15 high school signees. So both in Brian Kelly's first year and second year, he's taken about 35 new guys onto the roster, but he's flipped what obviously is the majority of them. Uh, now taking more high school guys, the goal would be to get these guys into the program and develop them and use the portal just to kind of patch holes on the roster um, as they get a deeper roster. And it filled out from where it was when Brian Kelly took over, they'll kind of really get into a groove with that. But I could also make the case, we'll debate this on a future pod that I like these 35 more maybe than I even liked last year's 35. And there were some instant starters uh, from that freshman class. I think it's because I like the transfers a little bit more in this class. Um, but again, there were some pretty good transfers last That's year. Tough. So. It's a uh, well, and we already know the answer to one side. We don't, we've never seen what these yeah. other guys are going to no, do. Right. So maybe right. really a debate for down the road. But LSU brings, um, again, all 10 transfers, 13 early enrollees, 23 new guys to the roster, all got here over the weekend. And, um, yeah, Matty B, that's kind of the 
that's the news you wanted. That is the biggest news to start the month was getting all these guys to campus. And uh, we'll see what they do in the transfer portal the rest of the way. Yeah, no, uh, no Jaden Rashada type situations over here. Oh, goodness gracious. That is, if you don't follow Florida recruiting, now is the time to do it. It is wild out there. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's jump in to why we're here at the mailbag. Question number one, Cairo Tiger comes right out of the gates. Which scheme changes do you guys see on offense next season? Any potential for a two-quarterback system? Now, let's jump out the gates here and define this. What is a two-quarterback system? That's a great question. Um, is it where Nussmeyer just gets to come in? Like it has to be when – it has to be scripted, right? Like Yes, what – well, yes, it has to be scripted, I think, initially, but also I feel like it has to be situational at the same time, which is hard. Like, there are very few teams, if ever, that have successfully pulled off a two-quarterback system. And if, if y'all have multiple ones, then please send them my way. Like, I just can't, off the top of my head, college or NFL, I can't think of any. Yeah, LSU did it with the national championship team God, 20 years ago, 2007, I guess. Yeah. Um, when Flynn was the quarterback and Ryan Perilou was a five star signee, but he would just come in just strictly to run the football. And then he could pop passes on you because they thought they were going to run the football on you. That so. makes sense. That, that, we've seen that before. That, that, like Taysom Hill, right? Like we've seen that with the Saints before, like where you bring him in as a gadget player. Neither one of these guys are gadget players. Daniels and Nussmeyer are quarterbacks and very, very high-level quarterbacks at that. So I can't remember, like, we've seen two high-level quarterback quarterbacks, like throw-the-ball quarterbacks, do that. So um, put any potential for it, in my opinion, I two-quarterback system would mean that both get a lot of reps in every game pretty much, and that's the plan. I can't see that. I'll say this, because um, and I think we have so far to go until we know if it's a two-quarterback system okay. really. I'll say that, and really it's again of how you define a two quarterback system. I truly believe, at least if Nussmeyer continues to develop this offseason, and obviously Jaden will develop as well, um, but you kind of Nussmeyer's development can kind of probably, like he has a lot more ground that he can make up. So he may really take strides to where Jaden's kind of fine tuned a lot of different parts of his game. I will say that they were probably less hesitant next year to put Nuss into a game if Jaden's not playing well. Like we saw games this year where Jaden did not play well and they weren't putting us in, they were rolling with Jaden. So I could see next year them being less hesitant to say, all right, we're getting us into the football game. Yeah. That, that's a great point. Like if Auburn happens again, like that Auburn game and you're Arkansas. going into the second, yeah, Arkansas, like you're going the second half, like Jaden was sick for that Arkansas game and they still didn't put Nussmeyer in and which was and looking back on it is crazy. at the end of the year he was walking around on one leg and they yeah, were like Nussmeier. like if those situations happen again next year there is no excuse not to put Nussmeyer in like the, that that needs to be quick and that's not because Jaden's like um that's not saying he's going to lose his job but that needs to be you know hey we're going to be very fluid with the situation if we go a quarter and a half and we don't pick up a first down 
like, yeah, we're going to move, shake things up. We're going to move. Like we have bigger aspirations going into next year. And for that reason, standards have to be raised. Uh, and he asked about scheme changes on offense. I think scheme wise, it'll be, a. I mean, they'll fine tune what they did this year. I think that they want to be more 12 personnel, which is multiple tight ends. We saw Georgia win back-to-back national championships running very much similar offense that Todd Munkin runs. So that'd be my initial takeaway. They just didn't have the personnel for it this year. And I think that they've got better depth at tight end, obviously. So maybe they can move more into Denbrock's wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, we talked about early enrollees, but Mac Markway coming in, um, he's probably the biggest question mark at tight end, obviously coming off the injuries that he's had, uh, but supposed to be a very, very good blocker and kind of physically ready. Jackson McGohan, uh, one of my favorite players. Um, I have him over like Kamoria Pimpton in my in my rankings, personal rankings. Like I really liked McGohan's tape. Um, and then you have Pimpton, who is is awesome as well. Uh, but Pimpton and McGohan are also kind of like more receiver type builds. They need to fill out, you know, get a little bit better blocking, definitely to get on that. But remember, Mason Taylor wasn't a good blocker when he started off. So I think there's room to grow. Um, I definitely do think we see those those freshman tight ends in a, um, you know, involved in the offense this year. And that speaks to what you're saying about more 12 personnel. And that doesn't mean that they have to be lining up with five linemen and both line and both tight ends, you know, on the line of scrimmage, like Mason Taylor was flanked out as a receiver half the time and moved in, move around. So yeah, I, I definitely, I agree with you. Um, Bourbon and Cheerios who's going to have a million questions. Maybe I'll just answer some of his as always on the board. He loves to, to drop the five different questions, including some about aliens and uh, New Year's resolutions. I don't have any New Year's resolutions. Matty B, did you? No. No, no. we're just keeping it rolling. Keeping it My rolling. New Year's resolution is to do this podcast for you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, bring it back. <laughs> but he does always uh, do it correctly. And for his first yeah. question is actually a real question. So are you sweating linebacker depth? We just touched on this yeah. a minute ago, but – They've got only four scholarship linebackers for the spring, uh, five total scholarship linebackers, and two of the five will be true freshmen. You're sweating it. Hell, yeah. one of those five doesn't even play linebacker right now, Harold Perkins. So. I was going to say, like, yeah, and I, we, I've talked about this before. Harold Perkins, moving him to inside linebacker, I feel like when you move him to inside linebacker, you are losing that pass rush ability. And if you say you're going to blitz him a lot still, then really you don't have two true inside linebackers there playing. Like you don't have a pin and Baskerville type dynamic there because they didn't blitz a ton. You didn't need to blitz a ton. That was kind of the, a lot of the was the strength of their defense was you could get pressure with just having BJ and Harold on, on the edges and just going and, you know, Makai Wingo going. Um, so maybe they do move him to inside. Maybe they keep him at kind of like a different Rover type position. If you don't want to put him at Jack, um, that's going to be a really interesting development to watch over spring. But for now, I think we can pencil him in, I guess, at inside just for depth purposes. Uh, but yeah, like you said, they don't have bodies at all. And um, I think they'll add one or two out of the portal. If they can get to six, I feel a lot better. Um, I think they'll probably end up adding a back end type guy like Colby Field was just for strictly just to have. But yeah, they're in a they're in a tough spot. I agree with you. It's a concern for me. I do think that they will add one or two out of the portal. I agree with you. And we will see kind of what the depth looks like um, come fall camp, or at least as we get into the summer months. But I will say Whit Weeks, uh, West Weeks' younger brother, 
is excellent in coverage as well. So I think he's a, a really saving grace for them. He's going to end up a top 150 type player and not a guy that everyone talked about all cycle is, you know, some massive land for him, but it's becoming evident after his senior year. And then what he did in San Antonio at the all American bowl week that uh, he's a hell of a player. Yeah. Um, we got some uh, Pat Forty talk in there. We'll skip by all these Dick Patel uh, Cairo again. Um, oh wait, no Hunter Fournette. I don't want to skip yeah. him. Uh, he says he has a legit question. With the cornerbacks we got in the portal, do you think Tobiano gets run at safety or do you stick with him at corner? You um you spoiled it for Hunter because you already answered that. Yeah, my fault, Hunter. I didn't didn't see that. My bad, Hunter. But we both agree, right? That spring with him being here, the fact that you signed all those corners out of the portal, I think they do stick with Tobiano at corner, but I also think that they can move him around. You have 15 practices, so you've got time to move him around. It's kind of like where where will the coaching staff see his highest upside and potential? Because I think that's why they wanted to move him in corner. And, yeah, so I think they wanted to see him at corner just because physically he is kind of you know he's 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 a big guy and he has good speed and um, I think if he can get to that level, but asking a guy to move from safety to corner at the college level in is the SEC. Big, in the SEC is such a big change, and now you don't need him to move the corner. So I would be like, hey, let's just try the safety thing and see how comfortable and how dynamic he could be. Because there's a there, he has potential at safety to be like a real contributor well, this year. He, he's a top five safety in the country right now yeah. on the rankings. And I'll also say it wasn't a situation where he was like, I'm only coming there if I play corner. I talked to him about this after um, in San Antonio, or excuse me, in Orlando at the Under Armour uh, All-American Bowl week. Um, and he'd already signed, and he said, look, I'm coming in to play corner because they <clears throat> didn't have any when I signed. I'll play safety, nickel, corner. It doesn't matter to me. So he's going to obviously be open to whatever. His natural position is safety. It will be interesting to see uh, how that one plays out. Cairo has his question that kind of ties into this. Where does Sage Ryan fit in? I uh, would love to see him get some run at safety. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. What This year they primarily used him at nickel. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he did play a little bit of safety, but yeah, nickel for the most part, yes. Would you rather see him at safety? That means essentially you've got him covering a little bit less and maybe coming back into the box a little more and being Man. A, showing off the physicality. It's hard. It's hard because he's that he is kind of like a tweener in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, but the, he's clearly athletic. Clearly, like can make plays. Uh, you want him to be, if he does play safety, and even at nickel, you want him to take after Greg Brooks. Like you want him to be that Greg Brooks level playmaker and athlete to where he kind of just is everywhere all at once. But whenever Sage is on the field, it feels like he's he's nowhere. Like, And that sounds bad, but it's, you want to see him kind of break out. Um, I just think there's a real hole right now at nickel. Um, could that be Deuce Chestnut? Could that be – I actually really like Jordan Allen, which nobody – really remembers from last year's class uh jordan allen was at nickel and he's physically i think could be a guy that gets playing time there this year uh but the guy who i'm penciling in right now at nickel is probably sage ryan so uh we'll see if he stays there i would rather play him at nickel than safety i think unless he's improved his game somewhere I'm torn. I don't know. And I think this might just depend on what they do with Greg Brooks, because yeah. as you said, Deuce Chestnut comes in from Syracuse. If he can play nickel, that moves Greg Brooks back to safety. And then yeah. where do you get Sage on the field from there? Um, we'll see. Spring will be a very intriguing time to see what they do in the defensive backfield and where guys are getting reps at and 
We'll learn more in March and April about that. Uh, go Doc. Do you think Zaylance Hurd, five-star offensive tackle signee, is a day one starter? I'll say no. Go ahead. Because he's not an early enrollee either. So I liken it to what happened a year ago. Two guys got to start as true freshmen on the offensive line. The one who plays left tackle, Will Campbell, was an early enrollee. He started game one. The one who was not an early enrollee, Emory Jones, who played right tackle, didn't start until what, like week three or four? Yeah. Something like that. So three, Mississippi State. And remember, Brad Davis is <clears throat> been on the staff a couple years now. Uh, Matty B's not hesitant to move a lot of guys around and try different like starting lineup combinations. So I think Hurd will get his shot. I don't know if it'll be game one. Yeah. I. It's interesting because the tackle position, like unless if Emory Jones stays a tackle, which he very well could, he could stay a tackle, but you look at Emory Jones, Garrett Dellinger, Miles Frazier, um, S3 with, you know, Anthony Bradford gone now. I look at all three of those as guards and then you have Will Campbell at tackle. And so then in theory, you do have another tackle tackle spot open. But then I think at the end of the day, you could just leave Emory Jones out there and kind of play from there. But when people are, you know, writing out a two deep in their heads, it looks pretty easy to put Zalen Turd at tackle and bump Emory Jones inside and then have Dellinger probably at the other guard spot or Dellinger or Frazier at the other guard spot and just kind of play from there. Like that is, I think that could be an ideal one if Zalens Hurd comes in and is already at that Will Campbell level. I've said it before. I don't want to underappreciate how difficult it was for to do what Kim Campbell and Jones just did this season. Like that was incredible. So I don't want to put those expectations on Hurd, but I do think he's capable of doing that. He's that good. He'll play yes. next year. I just don't know which yes. week it'll be. Um, and then he asked uh, OT now that Simone got her statue, who's next? Well, I think if it's male, it's Burrow. Joe Burrow. If it's female, it's Big Sill. Yeah. I feel like they're good on basketball ones for a while, though. So, right? Like, they have the four lined up right there. Pretty. They look good out there, too. Yeah. that That's a that's an incredible, like. There were a lot of people there for the Simone reveal. Dude, I walked up. I walked up because I was at the Pete Maravich one. And I, Pete Maravich one, for whatever reason, probably because there wasn't a game after it. And it was like. You know, over summer, so there weren't a ton of students there, or nothing like that. But I went to the Pete Maravich one, and there was probably you know a couple, a few hundred there. Man, that's that's Simone Augustus one. I walked up and I was like, I can't see anything. Like I couldn't believe how packed it was, but that was awesome. So shout out to them. Yeah, they had eleven thousand people there yesterday, packed house. Uh, misled alarm ninety two. Who's the most impressive offensive weapon we signed? Well, they only send one transfer on offense, and I think he belongs in the conversation, Aaron Anderson. I'll go Aaron Anderson or Camorian Pimpton. I like tight that. end. I like that. I'll go Aaron Anderson or Jackson McGowan. So we're both going the only transfer on offense and then the tight end. I like it. Yeah, yeah we're I think not Aaron hurt, Anderson. We're not hurting any receiver signees' feelings with that uh, decision there. We're I've already I've already raved about Jalen Brown, and okay. I think Shelton Sampson also will creep in there. Uh, Irish Tiger 18, do we run any under center stuff, especially in short yardage situations next year? Matty B, you dove very deep into Den Brock's time at Cincinnati. Did they ever run? Did they go under center very much? Yeah, there, there were some times with, with Desmond Ritter. Um, but at the end of the day, I think with Jaden Daniels, him being in the shotgun allows you to have more of that read option type stuff, allows him to see the defense earlier. He doesn't have to turn his back for handoffs, obviously. Like 
it just opens up. I feel like when you have a mobile quarterback like that, um, you have to kind of play out of the shotgun. Now you did ask short yardage stuff specifically in short yardage stuff. They were still giving Daniels the option to keep, um, which sometimes worked, sometimes didn't work. But I think at the end of the day, you want the ball in his hands um, in most situations where you're deciding the outcome of a, a first down or a game or a touchdown and so on and so forth. We'll see. Be intriguing. But, um, but yeah, not a, you just so many teams just not operating at us under center anymore, even in short as long as, they, as long as they don't do the, uh, uh, at least as long, as long as they don't go to the Wildcat like they did two years ago. No, that was awful. Um, that was, that was, they said they didn't even practice it. Yeah, we never <laughs> just, practiced it. Um, different time. That year was hilarious. No, oh, golly. All right, keep it moving. Uh, Tiger Mike, breakout players on offense and defense next year. Um, okay, hold on. Let me think. I'm going to go. Brian Thomas on offense. That's a great, that's a good one. I think he'll be the number two receiver behind neighbors. I'm going to go Greg Penn on defense. I think at this time next year, people are saying, damn, Greg Penn played a lot better than he did the year before. He sucked the year before. If Matt House trusts him to be out there from every single start this year, he sees something. They had other options. Yeah. Okay. Defense, I have my answer. Offense, it's kind of tough. It is really difficult, actually. Uh, But defense, I'm going to go Quincy Wiggins. And I know, I think we actually have a question about Quincy on here as well. But, like, Quincy Wiggins to me is obviously lost on the shuffle because he just didn't play this past year. But I think he can compete with Savion Jones for that starting defensive end spot. Like, I think that is a spot where he can really, really compete, if not get the job uh, with Savion. I think Savion's really good. Um, he's We've kind of talked about how he needs to round out his game a little bit which is why people wanted him to start over, over Ollie Gay. Just that wasn't realistic. He needed to round out his game. Maybe he does that. I'm pretty high on Savion Jones. I think Quincy Wiggins physically can get there. He has the upside. He has the potential athletically. We'll see how it pans out. But I think Quincy Wiggins is someone who, even though we didn't see him this year, I think he could have a really good 2023, whether he's starting or not. Offense. Sheesh. Uh, offense, give me... It's one of the two receivers here. It's either Hilton or Ibietta. Just give me Chris Hilton. Give me okay. Chris Hilton. Gotta stay healthy. Yes, has to stay healthy, but I will I have no problem gambling on his speed. All right. Um you picked a bunch of I mean Womack, yeah. All those edge yeah. DN guys could have big years. Could have picked Mason Smith. I mean, I also like a. My breakout player was the person who led the team in tackles this year. So I kind of (laughs) not sure how breakout that is. No, no, that's a breakout player. If he has a good year next year, you can pull this tape and be like, I told you all. So there you go. All right. All right. Uh, Mr. Virgo, if you had to predict now, who are your starting corners? Oh, man. That's so tough for me. It is. So I'm going straight gut. I think that Greg Brooks plays safety next year because I think they need it. And I will go. Give me transfer, transfer, transfer. Denver Harris and Zy Alexander on the outsides and Deuce Chestnut at nickel. Yeah, I think – yeah, I'll put I'll put Deuce – I know I said earlier I was like I could see Sage at nickel. I, I just worry about Sage 
I don't, Sage isn't as good in coverage as Deuce, like not even close to as good in coverage as Deuce. And Deuce has the experience, has made plays. He doesn't mind being physical. I could see Deuce Chestnut at a nickel spot. My only question is, obviously, they've gone big, uh, or they went big last year. They, you know, uh, two years ago was Cordell Flott, who's had a really nice play in the in their uh, the Giants win last last night. So shout out to him. But um, so that is my concern is that maybe he's not big enough, but Sage Ryan isn't any bigger. So if I'm choosing between them, I'll go deuce. Um, I do think Denver Harris is my cornerback one right now. And then J.K. Johnson and Zaya Alexander at the other cornerback back spot is very challenging. Like I write out in my notes, I put out just my ratings after I watch all the films of everybody, just my personal ones. I have Zai, Deuce, and J.K. all at like all at the same rating. All at the same range. So um, I'll go Zai, though. I'll go Zai Alexander just for now. I think JK is really, really good and will play, but I'll, I'll go Zai as the cornerback, too. It's going to be an interesting debate uh, this offseason. Gosh, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, outside of being a return specialist, this is uh, Cordell. Uh, do you think Aaron Anderson will start at in the slot receiver? Ooh, golly. I just forgot about Aaron Anderson and breakout players. Do you think Aaron Anderson starts at receiver? Yes. Like I think if they if they go with what they did last year to a degree where they have the three three receiver sets, I think he is the the inside slot receiver. Like he is the one uh, in between Brian Thomas and Malik for the most part. I think Aaron Anderson gets starts gets a lot of playing time. I don't know if I would have him as a breakout player. We'll see. Um, obviously, I think he's going to be good, but I don't know how many targets receptions he has with mason taylor there with malik there with brian thomas there like he'll have a good year but i don't know how many how stats he'll put up uh, i do think he could they got some good receivers uh and they'll rotate and we saw it this year they rotate to the point of people complaining often so uh, all these guys will uh definitely get in uh, gosh i'm excited to see aaron anderson uh zud the hut um how do we improve special teams i know polling's not gonna be fired but special teams did cost us games this year, made it, uh, uh, he said, terrible mistakes, Florida State, Tennessee, Georgia. I don't like Ramos as our place kicker because his kicks can be blocked with low trajectory and his short range seems about 40 to 45 yards. Punter's good. Hopefully we have a new punt and kick a returner. I mean, yeah. The kick How do you go about fixing – what's your suggestion here? I'm not. I'm not a special teams coach. I, it's. It feels like as long as it's emphasized and Brian Kelly will have – all attention on it. Like, obviously, first thing is you hope they have even better players, but they did have a lot of, like, starters. They had a lot of two-deep guys on their special teams last year, so you can't even really blame that. Um, I think that with having an entire offseason focused on it, dedicated to it to a degree, um, obviously you don't have to – you shouldn't have to worry about the return position now. Let's just say Aaron Anderson, just throw him back there. You'll be fine. And honestly – even though the mistakes were were you know widespread and they were happening almost every game, if you take out all of the punt and kick return mistakes, it it is a lot more manageable. You can live with a lot more of those stuff. Like it it wasn't good. I'm not saying it was good, but if you take off Jack Besh, you know, fumbling the the Tennessee kickoff, you take away the Malik Florida State games, if you take away um, those type of plays it doesn't look as bad. So hopefully Aaron Anderson can clean that up. Um, Obviously, you know, the instance that happened in the Georgia game where they didn't know the rule of it not being down is inexcusable. We've said that 
now hopefully they'll know the rule. So you just, you know, you build on it. I don't know if there's a ton you can do besides focus on it and, and play. As far as Ramos, Ramos goes, yeah, I think ideally, I do think he has a kind of a low trajectory on his kicks, but he made his kicks, and as long as you protect, I think he's okay. We'll see if they have any battle there between him and Dybert at the kicker spot. But Yeah, I could see it. Long snapper's taken care of, punter's taken care of, Aaron Anderson may well win the return job, so uh, we'll see. They need to not, they need to cut down on things that were simple mistakes, like the Florida State game was blocking on extra yes. points, the Catching the football was an issue for a long time before Greg Clayton stepped in and started to do it. Now, don't kick it out of bounds on kickoffs. These are uh, things you can correct. Um, hold that tiger. How many more transfers does LSU take? Do you expect it before the next portal window opens? They have eight open spots. This is an easy, quick one. Eight open spots. Some will go to walk-ons, former walk-ons. I bet they take two, three, four more transfers. The rest will be either a late high school ad or give it to walk-ons, have the spots open. I'd be surprised if they add any more right now before the next. Not surprised. I just don't expect it, but that could turn if they find a linebacker or two that they really want to go after and can get in for the spring semester. If not, these guys would be arriving in the summer months. So by far the bulk of it, the 10 are in. So I'd say two to four more probably. Yeah, I agree. Keep it rocking. Uh, that was a basketball question. We'll uh, – yeah. We're going to move past that one. Yep. Uh, where the ranking, this is Jimmy Chill. Ranking services, were they off with five stars for Quincy Wiggins and Sage? Or does five star mean something different for some players than others? I'm looking at the, the only place that they were five stars. Rivals had both guys five stars. Nobody else had either of them as five stars, but very highly ranked players across the board. How are we? How are we writing off Quincy Wiggins already? I don't. Yeah, I think that Quincy Wiggins was hurt and is only one year in. So I think like even if Quincy doesn't produce this year at a super high level, like I'm still giving him one more year here. Like it's not like Sage is a year older, sure, but Wiggins, I mean. Come on, I, th I think Wiggins could be really like five star. Sure, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. He wasn't tight, shouldn't have been technically a five star, maybe, but I, I still have have a lot of high expectations for Quincy Wiggins. I'm with you, and we'll see about Sage. I mean, he's entering year three. You said it. He's a little bit of a hybrid guy. Does he play nickel? Does he play safety? He hasn't gotten involved in the return game, which is something he did a lot in high school, actually. Um, so, I don't know, maybe, again, only one service had those guys as five stars. A lot of time to go for Wiggins and still time to go for Sage. Um, obviously, this next year is one where he's going to play a lot and, and you want to see kind of what jump yeah. he makes from now to then. Yeah, um, obviously, I wasn't here I wasn't here for the Sage Ryan class, so I can't really speak to what I what y'all or what everybody saw from him. But I thought his he was, like, really, really freaking good in high school. So... It makes sense why he would be a high four-star type guy. There were some women's um, and men's basketball questions in here. We'll get you to just answer those on the board, Maddie B, yeah, or uh, on, board. on a pod or whatever. But um, <laughs> the, question is, the question is, what are the chances the men don't win another SEC basketball game? <laughs> There's a chance. Damn. Damn. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. There's a chance. Well, and then the next question is, is it Final Four? Is it Natty or Bust for the women? So, boy, Oh, we're going they, each end of the spectrum. Boy, are we in opposite ends of the spectrum here. Um, Jay Reyes, last one, and yeah. he talked about a number of things here, but he kindly bolded the actual question. Uh, are these young kids, young adults, uh, too trigger happy to jump into the portal? Um, I would say 
a lot of college coaches will say that kids are too trigger happy to jump in the portal. Not every kid. And I think as you get at bigger schools, it becomes a little bit tough. Here's where I think kids become too trigger happy. Mm-hmm. You're at a smaller school and you think that you've got a chance to go somewhere bigger and you get in and then there aren't spots. And all of a sudden you wish you kind of would have just stayed where you were. Uh, and this could affect, you know, non-power five or lower power five teams that, you know, guys enter, they think, Oh, the grass is greener. I can go here. And either you go there and you don't play or you don't go there at all. And you end up kind of at a same situation, just somewhere else. And then you're kind of behind the eight ball. So I would. I don't think teams like LSU kids get trigger happy. Like everyone that's gone in from LSU, I've understood the reasoning. Like I, I get it. Like except Demario Tolan, I think there must have been more there than, than what yeah. was kind of public. But everybody else was looking for playing time. Like I totally get it. And you know, if you're leaving LSU, there's only like five schools you can go to that are bigger than LSU or have bigger expectations. So you know, you're probably taking a step backwards in some regard, uh, at least in terms of the level of, of kind of what you're getting out of the experience and expectations and all that. So I don't know. I think it happens. That's the fear is that here's the fear. There's too many kids in the portal versus spots available. So in a game of musical chairs, a lot of kids are going to get left out. That's where you're going to get um, this two trigger happy notion uh, and debate come into play. Um, and then he said, asked about the perspective on the future of NIL and college football and how that affects fan interest. I think with NIL, for me, it'll everything's cyclical and they'll figure NIL out. And in a few years, we will not be talking about it in the way we're talking about it now with a guy like Jaden Rashada saying this collective was going to give me $13 million to go to Florida. I showed up. They basically reneged on the deal. I'm not going to go there anymore. I think that seems to be the pieces in place of what's happening in a school like that. I think it's good, Maddie B, that we haven't heard any of that kind of stuff with LSU, which I take it to mean Brian Kelly is not getting himself involved with guys who are going to hinge it on some major, major NIL deal. And that's the reason why you get into situations like this. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it'll, I think it'll be figured out and probably not this year, maybe not even next year, but I think in a few years, I think it'll be figured out whether that is whatever the solution is and whatever that you think the solution should be, whether that's making employees, whether that's to, to, to regulate things, however you want to do it, it will be figured out and it will be simplified in a way where we don't have those situations like Jane Rashada. So um, yeah, we'll see how it, how it bounces out. But um, I'm really just of the belief of like get through these couple years where it is chaos and then, at the end of the day, hopefully it's figured out and hopefully it works out for the best for everybody because the idea is right. The concept is right. Now it's just figuring out the execution. I like it. it. That's it. That's all of them. We did it. All right. Good. We had a little segment at the front end of the podcast to talk about the early, uh, early enrollees. We got through all the mailbag questions. We'll be back doing these every Monday. So, um, like like we said, uh, these are for Bengal Tiger subscribers only. So subscribe to the Bengal Tiger. Uh, you get your free hat um, as well in there. So check all check us out. Um, you know, latest on everything. Shay's been killing it uh, with portal stuff this entire uh, off season. Uh, Billy's been everywhere from San Antonio to California and everywhere in between uh, for recruiting. So yeah, we uh, subscribe. We appreciate y'all for joining us. Um, Leave a like, comment, and share, and we will talk to y'all later.